Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. Welcome back for another edition of the Lulu Logic Podcast. I got a request. Somebody wanted to hear a Canadian's aspect um, and to see their journey to the CFL. So I said, okay, let's go out and do it. So I called up one of my guys. We've never had many conversations. I remember when this guy played. And I remember not understanding really why he retired early in his career. So that fascinated me. And I wanted to know more about his journey. How did he get to the CFL? Um, He didn't go in the regular draft. He was in a supplemental draft. Found out a lot about him, his family, and what allowed him to do it. So without further ado, here it is. Enjoy. Today's guest is from Montreal, Quebec. Played receiver at the University of Central Michigan, then was taken in the supplemental draft in 2011 by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Then was traded to the BC Lions. Welcome to the show, Keto Pobla. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's life been for you right now? Everything you know, going everything on. is good. You know, post-pandemic right now, everybody's just adjusting and, like, you know, trying to figure things out, like, with the new regulations and new things going on. But besides that, everything is good, man. We just um, surviving and uh, striving, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. You, you say post-pandemic. Are we post-pandemic? Are we still in the midst of I know, you're right. Pandemic? Like, nobody knows. Sure. Nobody knows right now. Like, that are we in the middle of this? It's true, we, man. Is it over? We're in the middle. Is you have exactly, any- exactly. Right now, we're like, uh, where are we with things like that? You know, I guess I should say post lockdown in the house. You know, everybody's yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. So it's good, man. I appreciate you even taking your time to actually just have me on. And uh, like I told you before, bro, like I really admired you just uh, you know coming into the league and stuff like that. So. Um, just like your hat says, King, what's up, baby? What's up? Hey, <laughs> you know, this is my, my clothesline. I actually this I just got these in. It's okay. a one race. One race, nice. one race man. Oh. It, it's all about we all have one race to run in life. And, you know, not only that, we are one race, you know, the mm-hmm. human race. So it's a, it's something that I'm glad that I got done. And cool. It, it's cool that we that I was actually looking into this like so long before the stuff that's going on right now, mm-hmm. right? Be Because the understanding of just the outside world, you yeah. know, being in the locker room is different. You're in the mm-hmm. locker room with different races and um, different things that there's like an open forum for conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like 100%. when, you know, we talk, and Barry kind of talked about this too, is like when you go to the battle with people and you trust people, you can have different type of conversations. Facts. Right. And, and Facts. right now, there's a lot of people that's reaching out to trust to to have these conversations. Yeah, man. Have you had any anything like that going on right now in Winnipeg? or? You know what, man? It's funny that you say that because yesterday I was talking to my buddy, TJ Player. Um, and uh, I played with him when I was in BC. He's, he's an indigenous and black guy. So... Um, you know, with this whole entire Black Lives Matter stuff that's going on right now, um, we're seeing, uh, I guess, an awakening of people 
where people are starting to realize, okay, th there's been an issue, uh, not only with black people, but indigenous people, just uh, minorities, period. Um, and, uh, you know, I think for the first time in history, people are starting to kind of like be more open to learning about this whole entire thing. So yeah, you know what, it's been, it's been crazy because a lot of my buddies who do a lot of social stuff in the, in the city who've played before um, are reaching out and saying like, yo, what can we do to actually change or even educate people and do it in a civil way, right? And that's why yeah. I really love your shirt because it is one race. It is one, we're all human at the end of the day, right? So yeah. it's really just about allowing us to be able to come together and use our platforms, use our skills, use our resources, and just, uh, you know, um, educate, man. Educate, education is so important, bro. Like oh, just boy. being open, you know what I'm saying? And just yep. learning, just like allowing and just like, you know, just, being you know i think that's what we forget to do is yeah. just to be we are all human beings first so yeah um that's one adjustment that i'm learning to be honest like you know coming out of football you're a gladiator but then when you go into real life it's like you're like everybody else and now you're looking around <laughs> like damn i'm not a gladiator <laughs> so you're trying to figure it out so that's where i'm at right now yeah, you know, my, my great-great-grandmother was a full-blooded uh, American Indian. Nice. Um, yeah, Blackfoot out of Oklahoma. Right. Cool. The, the cool thing is, man, one of the, 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 first, the first time an American Indian was tried was in my hometown in the U.S. Really? Yeah, Big Tree in Santana. So it's a pretty cool history, man, coming out of a small town. And, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's crazy to think about the whole concept of where we are today. Uh -huh. the the perfect storm of of covid keeping everyone in the house with nothing else going on in the world to put race what? at the forefront true man. right to put it at the forefront to where you have to look at this and you have to say you know what what it is 100%. and it's it's very uncomfortable for some people because like i have white friends that be like you know, you're my friend. You know, I don't have any malice mm -hmm. towards black people. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the cops, right? What, mm -hmm. This is not about... See, the thing is, they try to change the narrative because there's a lot of people mm -hmm. with a lot of money on the line that if we don't... If they change the narrative, then they can keep making their money. 100%. And the, the biggest thing for me is this is not blacks against cops. This is not people against cops. This is, mm -hmm. this is everyone against bad cops. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is not black against white. No. This is everyone against racist. Mm -hmm. Right? And I mean, we all have our own stereotypes. We all have right. our own um, judgments and things like that. But like you said, it's taking the time to step out. Uh, I've never been around East Indian people in my life. Mm -hmm. Last year in BC was my first time to ever be around East Indian people. But I did it with an open mind and an open mm -hmm. heart. And I met so many wonderful people. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. This is not a, like, you can look at something and say, oh, well, a couple bad people created this whole thing and did bad things. And then now I'm supposed to condemn all of them. Right. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Like, it's, it's just crazy to think about. And, yeah. you know, all black people aren't criminals. All white people aren't racist. Right. All Mexicans aren't rapists. Uh -huh. And all Muslims aren't terrorists. Uh -huh. Like it's like it's under it's okay to understand to to know someone. 
And, and I mean, you're going to get hurt along the way. Right. True. Right. True. There's going to be some people that break your heart and that, that, you know, stab you in the back per se. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we got friends that we grew up with that did the same exact thing. It's <laughs> our same. It's our same race. True story. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Big facts, bro. Big facts. And that's the funny thing that you're talking about, man. It's all those things are just part of human nature, man. You know, the good, the bad, everything. <laughs> and every single race is going to experience the same exact stuff, right? It's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, if, if it was a white guy, black guy, Chinese guy, it doesn't really matter. The same experiences, we've all experienced the same crap, no matter where you are in the world. So. <laughs> it's just something different. Yeah, man. Right? And... Mm -hmm. You know, you grew up in Montreal, man, and me playing there for three years and just really seeing what kind of city that is. What part of Montreal you grew up in? So I was I was back and forth. So like when I was I was born in I was born in Montreal. Yeah. Um, and I grew up part of my life in Dola des Amos. So that's like in P, uh, PPO area, like the West Island. Okay. Um, and uh, it's probably about like forty five minutes away from the stadium and and, and downtown area. And um, uh, I was there until I was like five or six, and then I moved down to South Florida, and that's where I spent a lot of my uh, my um, elementary, middle school, high school down there. But I was always going back and forth from Florida to Montreal because I still had my relatives that lived in Montreal. So that's how I actually knew Corey Watson was a guy that I actually okay. grew up playing with. Um, awesome. actually just playing basketball. My cousin and Car my cousin Carl Voni and I used to who was also in the city. Cousin? Yeah, Carl. Was teammates in Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I call it hey, the chocolate pinball, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Man, tell Carl I said what's up. Yeah, I will, bro. That's my homie, dog. That's my dog. Like we grew up, we grew up together, bro. Same household, everything. So like our story is very similar, like so. Um, we went to the same high school, same college, and then we even got drafted in the same pro team in the CFL. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, man, it's, it was an incredible journey. And he's obviously a big part of, like, um, my journey. So as I'm telling my story, I'm kind of sharing it with Carl, to be honest. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so what was the reason to going back and forth in, from Montreal to South Florida? So basically, like, you know, my, my parents are both entrepreneurs. My mom is a, a chemist and my dad is just like the businessman. So she used to make lotions and like makeups and all this other stuff, like legit stuff. Like we even had like, uh, um, um, like a warehouse full of like different types of cosmetics and stuff that they used to push out. So Miami was a different, it was a, a great place for um, the type of products they sold because it was more geared towards eth the ethnic uh, background of, um, of the culture or yeah. the makeups and stuff like that. So uh, Miami was a great opportunity. So we moved down there when I was like, yeah, six, seven. And then uh, um, her, our family still lived in, uh, in Canada. So, you know, uh, I'd come up and visit uh, during the winter times and during the summer times. And then eventually Carl just moved down there when he was like eight or nine and he moved down to Florida and he lived with me. And then in the summer times and winter times, I'd go up there and just, uh, we go back and forth, him and I. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much what it was. Did you start playing football in Montreal or did you start playing in, in, in Florida? Yeah. So I started playing football in Florida. Um, I was, I think, 
eight, nine years old when I first started playing flag football, and then I got into tackle football and stuff like that. But my first sport was baseball. I was really, really good at baseball growing up. Really? Uh-huh. And then um, we used to travel all the time. We used to go to, like, just we, – we've gone to Mexico, St. Louis, Daytona. Like, we were playing real good travel baseball. And that was really, like, my, my first sport until I got into, like, 12, and guys started having, like – Guys started hitting puberty and stuff, and I was still like a little stick and stuff. And I wasn't hitting the ball as far no more. I was like, man, I got to switch it up right now. So I went and focused more on football and basketball at that time. I really loved basketball growing up as a kid. And um, yeah, man, just uh, um, by the time I was in middle school, I was really into basketball. I was playing basketball all the time. I thought I wanted to go pro in basketball. So when I went to high school, I started focusing more on high school, I mean, basketball there. Um, and then uh, Carl was actually really highly recruited in high school. He had scholarships to, uh, to um, freaking, uh, where was it, Colorado, Ole Miss, Tennessee like he had like some legit big time schools that were always coming to our school and I wasn't really thinking about for football college. yeah for football for football mm. and I wasn't I wasn't really thinking about college at that time and um you know I was like man what am I gonna do after high school like I don't know I I the one thing I did not want to be Nick bro was that guy who goes back to high school <laughs> in the car trying to pick up the talker and I was like hell no that ain't gonna be me bro that, that motivated me, bro. That motivated me to just, like, I don't know, figure it out. But having Carl there, you know, along the way and him getting offers and, and things like that, when, when you were playing high school football or basketball and you said you stepped away from baseball, when you're playing these sports, like, that mindset, when did you really create the mindset that you wanted to be better than people on the field and not just be on the field you know what I think I always had that competitiveness to be honest I feel like since I was a kid whenever I played something I always took it very personal like for some reason for me I used to always like you used to just bother me just to like <laughs> lose or like say like somebody says I can't do it or like you know like that challenge has always been kind of like ingrained in me so I don't think I ever had a um, like struggle trying to get motivated. Yeah. I think it was really just um, trying to find direction in where I wanted to take my life. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of times, you know, I, when I was like in middle school, I wanted to become an engineer. I wanted to become a fireman. I wanted to be, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to become, to be honest. I just know I wanted to become something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I well, always, yeah. sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, with your, with your mother being a, a chemist and, you know and saying, your dad being an entrepreneur, like, mm -hmm. that's, that's some good stuff right there. So, yeah. growing up, you're seeing different worlds. I mean, Montreal and Miami, they're, they're very comparable. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, like myself, I call Montreal the Canadian Miami. Nice, nice. Right? <laughs> because of the, the nightlife and how, yeah. how different of a vibe diverse. it is yeah it's very diverse yeah. it's a different yeah. vibe than 100%. you're gonna get anywhere else right you know even like it's way different than vegas yeah interesting right so yeah. you know you see the different peoples and and i'm pretty sure in miami i've never been i've been to fort lauderdale um but it's like 
I just envision like, you know, during the day, people at the beach, people hanging yeah. out, it's real chill. Yeah. Montreal, people at St. Cats, yeah. people walking yeah, the street, exactly. it's real chill. Exactly. But when that sun yeah. go down, it turns into a whole yeah, different city. It's, it's, <laughs> you know Facts. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things that um, when I look at the, the whole concept there, going from Miami to, to Montreal mm-hmm. and seeing that dynamic, um, did it affect you at all? Was there ever anything in your mind um, from Canadian to American or going back to Canada uh, and reconnecting with old friends? Like, did that ever play a part of anything? You know what? When you're down south as a Canadian, you know, people always like, oh, you Canadian, you sorry, you, you, you a scrub. Like, they always be talking trash. Like, that's just what it is, you know, like when you, when you, when you tell you're Canadian. Um, especially at that time when Drake wasn't around, so nobody was really cool to be like, yo, yeah, I, I mess with Drake, he Canadian, like, you know, it's like, you by yourself, basically. Who was your big, I mean, you had some big Canadians, but most of them was white. Yeah, exactly. John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, and right. all those, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, exactly. Right, so, you didn't have anybody that you felt nah. like represented you. Nah, you know, exactly. Glad you right. <laughs> exactly, exactly, bro. So, like, yeah, man. Just uh, that scenario was, um, you know, I think, and like, I think, like you were talking about, like, my parents being entrepreneurs, I've kind of always have had that push because, to be honest, like, we didn't always have, um, like when we first started in Miami, we lived in the hood of Miami. And then a couple of years later, we moved into like a decent apartment in like a middle-class neighborhood. And then by the time I was 13, 14, um, we lived in a neighborhood where there was a damn fence all the way in Weston where there wasn't many black people. And I saw a progression with my parents and I saw how hard work and actually them being determined and actually grinding and, and putting in that work for years upon years upon years and being consistent actually led them to um, some some form of the life that they wanted. So and that also has been instilled and helped me because I lived it personally. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I've actually seen the progress of what work looks like, even though it doesn't look like anything in front of you now. It's just building brick by brick and, and eventually you have something. Yeah. Were you the only kid or... Did you have no, so I was brother? I was the youngest of four. So basically, it was my older brother, two older sisters, and then I was the youngest of them. But then when Carl came in, it was him and his brother Nori, and we were six basically, right? We were like basically like six kids, two adults in the actually three adults <laughs> in the apartments, and uh, yeah, man, we just uh, we made it work, bro. We made it work. We were in Pembroke Pines at that time, and we were living there for four or five years, and. Like I say, man, I think that's the type of stuff that you don't really realize you're poor when you're you're in it. Yeah. Um, until you're like, damn, like they got houses and like <laughs> they got like freaking gates and stuff. You can live like this. I'm like, I didn't even know I was poor like that, bro. I'm like, damn, for real. Jeez, but yeah, bro. Like it really the my perspective, though. Yeah. Did your did your brothers or sisters play sports? Yeah, my brothers played basketball. My older brother played basketball. My my um, oldest sister played track, and my other one was a gymnast. So, 
Oh, yeah. wow. Did they do that after high school or? Yeah, they were doing it during school there. So they were doing it in high school. They were doing it. Um, my brother's the only one who moved on to play college basketball. Everybody else after basketball, after college, I mean, after high school. We were finished. Where'd your brother go? He went to Nova Southeast, Nova Southeastern University. So it's a D1, okay. yeah, double A school. So you getting to Central Michigan, right? We, mm -hmm. we talk about the high school growing up competing. Uh, Carl's got some offers and, and everything. How did that all come about? One, you finding out about Central Michigan, you getting to Central Michigan. And I guess also, how did Carl get there? You know, was it like a package deal, like you and Carl both? Or can you walk yeah. us through that situation? So the Central Michigan situation really just came about like, uh, so I'll tell you, I was, in, I was a junior. I had no scholarship. Carl had like hella scholarships. Carl was legit like a blue chip coming out of high school, coming out of Florida. He was like ranked in a definitely top five or top three in the whole entire state. With that. he was killing it, um, and we were having scouts come all the time. So I was very fortunate because of him, to be honest, to get seen to some degree. Yeah. However, scouts didn't really like me. They're like, man, this guy's too tight. He's this, then he's that, blah, 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 talking all this trash. So anyways, I'm going in, my, going into my senior year, and um, I have no scholarship. And we're about to play a team called Flanagan. And they're a 5A school. We're a 3A school. They are, like, legit. They have the Guinness World Record for, for the most seniors ever graduating in one class, which was, I think, 5,000 or 6,000 kids in wow. one class. And their, their graduation ceremony went for, like, 12 hours. Like, I think it was, like, maybe 24 hours. I don't even know <laughs> how long. But anyways, we're playing this school, and it's the first time we ever played them. They're about, like, maybe, like, five, ten minutes away from our school. We're the small school. Everybody goes to their school because we're a charter school, so you have to be selected through a lottery to go into our school, but it's free. But it's, like, okay. school education. Um but anyways, we're playing these guys, and everybody's expecting them to whoop our butt, basically. And um, anyways, we uh, ended up playing them. There's basically so many. There's so many kids out there. Second play of the game, I take that ball and I go run seventy yard touchdown, and basically get things rolling. They get our defense gets the ball back. Uh, I get that ball back. I'm playing quarterback, actually. Carl and I just said, you know, I'm playing quarterback, and Carl's running back. So we played options. So we just, like, you know, we did that yeah. option, triple option. So uh, second series comes in. Um, I, I basically, uh, yeah, I, I, we, we get that ball back. Freaking 24-yard touchdown on the other side. So we're up 14-0, like, legit, like, the first four or five minutes. Everybody's like, oh, damn, we can actually win. And so we end up find, we end up actually winning, and it, the mm. score was like forty to like I think twenty something, and um, I ended up getting a call from Central Michigan, like ne not even like the the day later, and basically what had happened was that it was a, they were scouting some kids on their other team, but since we performed so well, they didn't, even, they didn't expect us to do so. Well, they're like, who the hell is this guy? It's exactly how I got on with them. And uh, basically is um, my guy, Mike Elston, who's at Notre Dame right now with uh, Brian Kelly, who yep. was the one who recruited me. Those guys recruited me. So yeah, man, they, not even a week after that, they were at my crib, 
um, and having dinner with us, just telling us like, yo, we really want this guy to come and um, come visit and all this other stuff. And it was really profound, bro, because, you know, like at that time, I was like, I was telling you, I wasn't really thinking about college and I just knew I didn't want to be that one guy coming back to high school in the car and shit. I was like, no, nah, yeah. that can't be me. So um, I had to, I don't know, I feel like everything was self-actualized. Um, and um, when I got the scholarship, they brought me up. Um, another, a couple other schools like Pittsburgh wanted me at that point. After that, Colorado State and um, Akron had given me scholarships to those schools, but I didn't really feel like I was really attracted to those schools because they came in after I already yeah. had gotten. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't yeah. really feel connected to those schools. So I just went and took a visit to Central Michigan and made my decision there. Carl came with me. Carl was indirectly kind of pulled with me to be honest because i was like <laughs> i had called his mom like man please convince carl to come with me because i can't come here by myself and he had a lot of scholarships i'm telling you like he couldn't went anywhere at that point but he ended up coming to central michigan and i honestly feel like if he would probably went somewhere else he would have probably had done better because his style was more like an sec type of running back where he's like, yeah. that, like the power back stuff but I think all in all, anyways, Carl made it to where he got to. He he still always still blames you, like, man, you brought me a central. And I'm like, Damn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of those things, man. The like for me, I played I played quarterback my senior year in high school. Nice, nice. Right. So that was the the biggest thing. And that's when I got into Southern Arkansas. You know, it was a walk on and like I got, I played in the all-star game and I got MVP at the all-star game, but I played receiver. And, you know, some, I guess two guys didn't show up. So me and the other receiver played the whole game. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I ended up going off, getting MVP at the all-star game. Oh. And then a couple teams reached out about stuff. Like, we don't really have scholarships left, but I was like, no, I'm already going to Southern Arc. I'm going to Southern Arc. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I get there, we get in the locker room the first day I remember uh two a days I'm sitting there during the orientation or whatever you know they do all the meetings and you introduce all the coaches and the and the staff and all that stuff uh for the players and you know the liaisons and who who's who right 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 and everything and then they're like all right we're gonna split up into your position groups and um yeah they were like Nick you're with the uh quarterbacks hmm. I'm like nah <laughs> nah, I didn't come here to play quarterback. We ran the option too. Okay, right? but in high school we ran thirty-two different formations, so we never wow. ran. We would really, like teams had to prepare for so much to play us because we mm -hmm. were running constantly different formations. We only had about five plays in each formation, mm -hmm. right? So, and um, so I was like, man, I'm not a quarterback. I'm a mm -hmm. receiver. And next thing you know, they were like, all right, we'll go to receivers. And then one of the receivers. He was like, man, I'm a quarterback. So then he goes to the quarterbacks. And, uh, yeah, we ended up breaking a lot of records together. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of – that's the story, man. Like, that's the funny part. Like, you, and I hear you talking about playing quarterback and then going to Central Michigan. Mm -hmm. Did they want you as a quarterback? Or did uh, you tell them, like, I'm really a receiver? Because so you're, you're, you're like 6'2". Yeah. Right. So, so they, you're not a small guy. You could have played the quarterback role. 
Low key, I can. I thought so too, but they're like, nah, this guy ain't got the arm. I'm like, man, I thought I had something, man. <laughs> I thought I had it, dog, but it's all good. <laughs> they had a, they brought me back to safety, and then um, when I was at safety, not even a couple of practices in, the strength coach um, said, hey, uh, um, go try receiver. And basically, the rest was history there. Like, I went and played receiver, and um, yeah, man, that was pretty much what it was. But I'm actually, I'm actually interested in your story now, man. Like, this is why I feel like we need to do this. We need to do this again, though. We need to do this again because I think what you, oh man, that's a really cool. There's story. similarities. No, there's a lot of no. I love it. I love it. We're gonna have to do this again, though, for real. Just there, like we'll do an Instagram live. I want to, I want it because I think <laughs> the cool thing about what you were just talking about. So you walked on to uh, yeah, I'm division two walk on. That's beautiful, man. That's that's beautiful, man. See, that's we need to see. All right, man. Look, I'm gonna let whatever. I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna take it in today. You, you interview me, I'll take it. But I need to interview you for real, bro. We real can make talk. it happen. Okay, we can make bro, it happen. That'd be great, bro. For real. But yeah, like just that. There's a there's a lot of similarities, man. And 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 to get to and that's why I love doing this, man. Because to see how people get to where they get to. Mm-hmm. It, it's truly some people give up some people stop some people get there um some people do it without even recognizing it right like you watch uh the, the last dance with jordan mm-hmm. right jordan knew what he needed mm-hmm. he needed doubters he needed haters think about this if jordan had twitter he would have been on Twitter on the bench looking at <laughs> haters talk about him missing the last shot. It's true, man. Right? Jordan would have went off every game. Like, for someone to create, you know, things that people have said to him, to create it in your own mind for your own motivation, what was your motivation? What motivated you? Like, we get to Central Michigan – you look around, you're like, man, there's some talented dudes here. Yeah. Right, there's some talented dudes yeah. here. What motivated you to to get in the mind frame and say, you know what, I'm about to play here. I'm not only play, but I'm about to go be one of the best ones here. Yeah, honestly, bro, the first thought was God and my family, bro. Like, I feel like I, without my faith, bro, I wouldn't have been able to make it as far just based on, like, like, when I got to Central Michigan, bro, it was the first time I was around so many white people, to be honest. Yeah. I was one of those kids that was, I won't say, like, I played football, I played baseball growing up in South Florida. You, you play with a lot of mixed and diverse kids. Yeah. And I played, I played with Spanish kids, white kids, and I had my, what, what, some of my friends were that. But in Michigan, especially, there's people that have never seen a black person before. Literally, I had long-ass hair. I remember going to class, 300 people. And literally, I had this one chick say, I never, do you mind if I touch your hair? I've never seen a black, like, I've never seen that type of hair. I said, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. And she touched my hair. But it was, like, so different. I had to learn how to, um, you know, open my mind up. Because the best thing that happened for me going to college, bro, was the fact that I got opened to exactly what's going on right now with, with these Black Lives Matter situations was the fact that not all white people are bad. 
I actually realized that because at that time when that lady was like, yo, do you mind if I touch your hair? Like, I've never seen it. She was really just curious. It was like yeah. nothing that was like any type of feeling. She was like, yo, like, I just want to learn right now. Like, how does this work? You know? And so that really opened, op helped me open me up because I was like, yo, somebody's curious and as open as her is, is trying to see. And maybe it is uncomfortable for both of us at the same time, but we can both take something out of it. I think that that one thing, to be honest, really opened me up yeah. to, um, I guess, uh, just uh, to be open, bro. Just to be open. You know what I'm saying? So um, going to Central Michigan uh, was one of those things for me that was probably my biggest lesson because after that, I actually learned how to be very, very open and I wasn't when I when I when I first had gotten there. I wasn't that open. I was like really stuck in my box. Like, yo, this is what it is. This is what it is. Oh, like you're dealing with this, this side, that side. I was really like that, you know. And Did so, you see a lot of diversion, like as far as or separation in, in Miami growing up? Yeah, bro. Like, like it was you, separated. So you you see it. So like it's a lot more real. Like here in Canada, there's like a a silent type of like you know. I'm, I feel some type of way, but I, I, I'm not going to be outwardly with it. I'll yeah. probably show you in a different way. But down there, it's it's a realistic thing. Like, it really is where, you know, if somebody don't really mess with you, they don't really mess with you. Yeah. But it's not like it happened to me all the time. It would just happen to me here and there and where it would dramatically impact my life. Like, being called the N-word at freaking 12, being told you're going to go to jail by 14, like being like a whole bunch of things that we're told, like that I was yeah. growing up with. And I can remember these situations, right? So as you were asking about, you know, what helped me get through um, all of this was just understanding, one, what my parents instilled with me. You know, like they always told me, like, you're not, you're not, you're not just going for you right now. You're going for everybody that came in front of you. You know, your ancestors, your, your your grandparents, and just learning my history as as a person was very impactful for me to actually be like, you know what, like, when I was doubting myself and when I was, like, tired and I was like, oh, man, like, I already know if I could keep going, I just really would think about all the people who came before me and sacrificed to actually help me get here. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm West African. My mom's Haitian. So those both those cultures are are very um are very similar in nature but their stories a little different so yeah. the haitians were captured as slaves but the west africans uh, um were being deported i mean people were being deported from west africa and my parent my dad's my dad's tribe um was actually um one of the very few that didn't actually get caught into slavery and so mm. But my last name actually stands for is actually can't be caught. So it's like, oh, for wow. me, one of those things was like, you know, when just like my history, bro, like in terms of never quitting, never doubting, like, you know, even when you do feel like it, like we don't all always feel great. That's the cool, like, you know, that's not, but it's actually in those times when you don't feel your best is when you actually should be pushing harder. And I think yeah. that perseverance and persistence is, what really allowed me to actually, you know, continue, bro. And, you know, when I got through Central Michigan, um, it was a really great thing because we had won some championships. I got to meet people that I, like, have really strong relationships with. And um, 
Yeah, man. It's that's been probably my my motto, bro. It's my history, bro. Like I just carry it with me, and I just try to be as good as a person as possible. That's awesome, man. That's that's great history. And one of the biggest things, like for me, that's another thing, another issue for for black people. You know, coming to Canada, black people know I'm first generation, second generation Canadian, third generation Canadian. Like my great granddad came here from here, my grandfather came here, or my mother came here. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it's so hard to know because most blacks took the names of their slave masters. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, you lose your history line. Mm-hmm. Right. And and now you're in a situation to where how that history gave you power, mm-hmm. right? It gave you passion. It gave you an understanding of what your greatness could be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of black people now trying to create that. 100%. Exactly. Right? For our grandkids. 100%. So they look back and now we're providing our history mm-hmm. because we don't really have the history. Right. It cuts off. So if you go back all the way to mine, it's, like, it's like slavery. Mm-hmm. So then all our history comes from slavery. Yeah. It doesn't come from Africa. 100%. Because you, I mean, now you can do DNA tests and stuff like that. And, and, I, and I still hear that's pretty tricky how they're, you know. Yeah. Don't trust in all in that all the time, <laughs> right? Cheaper. Right. So, but that's one of the biggest things is, is that to have that power and to have that understanding of your history is so mm-hmm. important. Yes. Right. 100%. For you as a man is, and for everyone that walks this yeah. planet, their history, it gives them power. It gives them pride. Mm-hmm. To to try to accomplish what they want to accomplish in life, so that that's pretty awesome that that you know that, and you know, like I say, a lot of a lot of Canadians know that and understand that because of the differences in the journeys to where we are today. One hundred percent, man, one hundred percent, and I like how you kind of brought it to now as well, like how we're laying down the path for our grandkids because that's. I like how you spun that. Like, I, I think uh, it's really cool because you're totally right when you're talking about um, that empowerment. Now that, you know, everything is kind of shifting, we're able to lay that down for our grandkids and everybody else going down. So coming down like the the line, you know, so it's it's really cool how you said it. Because I don't think I actually understood it until you just said it the way. Like, I was just speaking from my heart saying, like, yeah. this is what drives me, you know what I'm saying? But yep. it's really cool how you just spun it and actually made it into like what's actually happening right now you know what I'm yeah saying? and you know I, I tweeted yesterday that you know the the u.s is built on lies and slavery mm-hmm. right and and i think that right now is the time to rebuild it on truth right and if we build it on truth then we get to a place that that's never been gotten to before facts um i think it's very important for people to understand that the nazi scientists is what they brought over to work in NASA. Interesting. How right? long ago? When? After the, the Nazi scientists they captured in Germany, there's people that escaped, there's people that were killed, but the Nazi scientists were brought to the U.S. to work in NASA. Uh, this, this. Right? So, but, but the thing is, is that the importance of this whole thing is this. It's not the hate. Uh-huh. What did those scientists do for the advancement of the world? 
at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used it for bad in, in Germany. But once they were here, they used it for good. I mean, they still hate it outside of that or whatever, and they uh-huh. create division. And I'm not trying to justify any of that, uh-huh. right? But I'm just saying is inclusion of everyone allows for the, yeah. some of the smartest people. Like, you look how black people True. have made it to yeah, this far, right? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was created by black people that they don't get credit for now to be in rooms to help create to advance the world. Real stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. So every race sitting at a table can advance this world to a place that, but it's got to start with truth. Facts. And that's the biggest thing for me. It's got to start with the truth of, yes, the word says this, Mm -hmm. as long as we have truth and we can move forward, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, and, and it's funny because there's a lot of white people that think black people want to enslave them or want to take over the world. <laughs> no, so, man, they tripping with that, man. <laughs> and I saw something about Terry Crews, Terry Crews saying something about black supremacy, and I'm like, bro, this has nothing to do with any of this stuff right now. Like, no, nah, we just trying to actually get an equal playing field, bro. Like, just, just keep it fair, now. That's what, just keep the game fair, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dog, nah, you can play with 12 you can play with 13, 14, 15 people. Well, we got to stick to the script and play with 12 or 11 men. Like, nah, bro. Like, come on, bro. Like, that's let it. us play fair. Like, keep it fair. Keep it fair. And, and that's all we want. But when you were in Central Michigan, how long did it take you to get on the field and be productive as a receiver? Like, how many years? Was it freshman uh, year, sophomore year? Yeah, so after I, I registered my first year, and then after my registered year, my, my, my registered freshman year, um, I was, I was playing, man. I was playing at the time after that. I started every year after and, uh, yeah, man, just was really focused on, um, just playing, man. Just trying to be as productive as possible, man. Yeah. Yeah. That mindset did, how did Carl help in this situation? Carl is my, like, Carl is like, for real, my... Like, my rock, bro. Like, he's the one who supports me, bro. Because I'm, like, he is so calm and so collected. Like, for every situation. And I'm, like, to me, like, my... I have a very short, I guess, patience. Yeah. I would say. And I'm very past passionate, bro. Like, I'm really, like, if I care about some shit, I really care about it. And I go, like, all the way. Yeah. And sometimes... You know, for me, I can take things too personally. Like I said before, I can take things too heavy when it's not even that heavy. It's like, bro, you're being too much right now, Keto. Like, chill out, bro. Like, relax. And that's what Carl does, man. He just keeps things in perspective for me. And um, he's always done that. And, you know, anytime I've needed encouragement, like, you know, that that's the that's my brother, man, for real. Like, I know for sure I could not have made it this far without Carl, bro. That's 110%. There's times where I've wanted to quit. There's times where I've wanted to be like, you know, f all this stuff. Like I am, I'm done. You know, like being on my hot headed stuff. And Carl was there, bro. Like you know, hey, bro, chill. Like, what's your goal? Like, what is it? It's bigger than us right now. Like, just continuously 
like giving the the message you know what i'm saying so yeah. for me, like i said family for me has been always my driving force where i've always been able to set out a goal and tell my family hey look this is the goal i'm going for hold me accountable to that standard to get it and that's what they've done so well and so i've been very fortunate bro for real to to be able to have a support um to be able to do that you know now that carl's not around so much i have really solid friends that do that for me right like yeah. i can i can honestly tell my friend hey bro this is what i want to go get hold me accountable to that standard and so yeah. yeah bro it's it's so important so that's what carl has done for me for sure that's good man it's always good that you know just thinking about the journey like carl comes to south florida which in turn helps him uh-huh. right in his journey um <laughs> And then he goes to Central Michigan with you to help your journey. Yeah. And then you both make it to Winnipeg. How was that yeah. journey leaving Central Michigan? Did Carl come out before you or did y'all yeah. both work there? So that, that time. No, we, we both came out the same time. So okay. that was the year of the lockout. So I was actually waiting. Like Carl had entered the draft, the CFO draft, and I was waiting for the NFL draft. And um, we weren't even sure if we were going to have a season that year. And uh, basically, like, I went to training camp late because I was wanting to go to the NFL, but they had that lockout. And then, like, my agent was like, yo, just go to the CFL and then uh, um, play there for a year and then come come back down here. And that was originally the plan in terms of actually going down there. I mean, coming up here to, to play. And things just turned differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because you went in the supplemental draft, huh? Yeah, exactly. So I entered late. And and Winnipeg drafted you? Yep. How was that feeling when you see Winnipeg drafted you after they'd already had Carl? It was great, man. I was like, hell yeah, man, let's get it, man. <laughs> round, let's go. Round three, man. High school, college, and pro. Let's go. Yeah, it was great, man. It was it wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted it any any differently, you know. And when going into going into Winnipeg as a rookie. Like you said, you were waiting on the NFL during mm-hmm. the lockout. You come into Canada uh, to Winnipeg. I don't know if you've ever been to Winnipeg before. No, I haven't. I didn't mm-hmm. even hear about Winnipeg before. <laughs> I didn't even know where Winnipeg was. I was like, where, where the hell is Winnipeg? <laughs> Central Michigan has prepared you for Winnipeg. And yeah. it's like, now you're here. You show up to training camp. What's the mindset? And, and what do you think? Do you think, like, are you going into this thinking, like, I'm supposed to be in the NFL? Um, I'm just going to the CFL? Or are you thinking about this, like, I'm about to go up here and smash, dude? What was your mindset like when you when you came? Because it's a hard mindset to go from NFL to CFL, uh-huh. right? When I was coming out, I went from possible fifth-round draft pick to possibly going to play Arena 2 football, making $200 a, a week. I'm uh-huh. like – that's a different mindset yes. to go from that to that. Like, it's hard to do that. Yes. Was it hard for you to go from where you were, like, okay, I should be drafted or I could be getting in the NFL to lockout to now going to the CFL? <laughs> what was that mindset? You know what? Honestly, for me, it was like, yo, I'm just going to go up here and do work, man. Like, I, I, um, I felt like I was just going to – I don't know, man. I just had a certain confidence. Like, when I came into training camp, you know, that's the beginning of Swagger Bill and everything. I remember the first practice, bro. They're over here lighting up the receivers and, like, just, like, 
tackling them and all this other stuff. They're talking trash. And I was like, man, that shit ain't going to happen to me, bro. Like, they got me tripping. <laughs> so I caught the ball. And I was just trying to run over dudes, man. And I remember me and B. Sue ended up getting in a fight because uh, who's Brandon Sue is my dog too, by the way. But Love um, we ended up getting we ended up getting a fight because it was like, bro, I was like, I'm not gonna let nobody touch me like that. So I got my respect pretty quickly up here in terms of actually just like not taking stuff. And at the end of the day, for me, my mentality has always been a killer be killed on the football field. Like yeah. at the end of the day, just like you. One thing I love about your style, Nick, is the fact that. You played bully football, bro. You was a damn bully, bro. As an offensive player, which wasn't normal. So it's like, to me, that's exactly the mentality that I messed with. It was like, you know, I'm an offensive guy, but I'll hit you too. Like, you coming for a hit, I'm going to hit you too. So that was like my mentality, you know what I'm saying? So, like, um, it was it was good because I think at the same time, like, I set the tone as a receivers and stuff like that. I did end up getting hurt really early, so I had a terrific training camp man um and then my first game I got hurt and then um I was out for nine weeks I had torn my PCL I came back we played Saskatchewan I went for like nine catches a hundred and some yards and then the next week after that I get hurt again and I tore my clavicle man I was like oh my goodness this is the worst luck ever son so we ended up making a great cup that year, and I ended up playing. But it was like not even not even, it was like my first game back into yeah. the great cup. So I didn't even get to play much. I was gonna have to play like four or five plays. But anyways, we didn't end up winning or any of that stuff. But um, it was just weird because you know at that time it was the first time I've ever been hurt that consecutively. Like I've never been yeah. hurt like that, you know. And right when I got to the league, I started just getting hurt, damage. And honestly, I feel like after I got hurt so many times my first year, it affected how I was actually. Um, um, playing so yeah. like you know getting over that hump like you know when it's like okay I hurt like now I have to like overcome so it took me probably like a year or two to kind of get back on my feet like I, I the next year I played with um, the Bombers and I did pretty well but it wasn't like it was like kind of like my first year like it kind of yeah. like my first year wasn't my first year it was like it was like legit my first year now so anyways um by the time I get to BC, though, like, I start actually feeling good. Like, now I'm like, damn, okay, now, like, I like exactly how I can the, the league. league a little bit. Yeah, bro. Like, I can start feeling myself coming back into rhythm and everything like that. But that's a story in itself, man. That, that's, that, you know, Wally is a great dude. Um, and um, he gave me a, a fair shot, fair opportunity um, there's just certain things that had happened that I wouldn't feel comfortable with, to be honest. Like, I, I um, playing football uh, at BC was really great because I thought it was it was better organization than it was here in Winnipeg at the time. It actually yep. felt like a pro team. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know if you have any other questions for me, but I could keep going, though. Yeah, tell us about what I mean about BC then. Like what what yeah. happened in BC? So for, yeah, so for BC, I was playing with uh, Kevin Glenn. You know, Lule actually had like veterans around you. My dog Manny Arsenal, freaking Big Hill, uh, Solomon, like Dante Marsh, Ryan Phillips, all those dudes. You know, I was um, just like around a veteran squad. So I actually started learning like, damn, okay. Like these guys actually got their stuff together. Like they, they're like really professional. So 
that was a great experience. And I, like I said, I was getting my mojo back. I could feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm starting to play very well. I'm starting to, like, contribute highly. Like, I was playing, like, a, like back in college. I have a great season. They resigned me. Um, and then, honestly, bro, like, um, I ended up uh, getting cut in right before training camp. I just had bought a house. A nice crib in Winnipeg, and I have no job. And I was like, "Man, what was bro. the reason they cut you, though?" New coach, Jeff Tedford, who only lasted one one year in the damn damn league, and I feel like really messed shit up. And I'll say it because I'll say it. I'm gonna <laughs> say it anyways. <laughs> But he came in. He was a college coach, coming yeah, yeah. like coming to coach the pros. And I know, like at that time, I talked to a few guys. I'm not gonna like shout any names out, but like just uh, it just it really changed the culture there that they had that where Mike Benavides had built at that time. You know, like yeah. he had a lot of pros in there, but he was treating us like college guys. And like I was just like, yeah, Jeff Tedford and I didn't really get along going into spring. So it's like I knew that it was different because he wanted certain, I guess, I don't know. Like I say, bro, anyways, I... No, I know how it is. I know how it is because here's the psychological psychological part of it. When you're a college football coach, you can go and talk to these kids any kind of way, Mm -hmm. right? I've dealt with it with, uh, with a specific coach in the past that we didn't get along when he first got to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Now we get along. We got along after that when Huff yes. got there. But before then, like, he would say things to you, like, was off the wall. Like, I'm not yeah. a kid. Like, exactly. I get paid to do this. Like, I, exactly, bro. Like, bro. Like, I'm not the one, you know. And, and one time, Joffrey had to grab me. So I told him, I said, you ever say that shit to me again, I'm – it's over. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm about to Latrell Sprewell your ass. And like, <laughs> we get to that point, and I had, I had to stop Joffrey one time. I had to stop Rambo one time, right? So it was just the, you're not going to talk to me like a kid. I'm a grown man. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like, I, I bro. Myself, I, I do a, I'm a grown man. You're going to yeah. treat me with respect. I don't sit okay. up here and say stuff to you. But in college, okay. you can't do that. Right. Exactly, in bro. College, exactly. You can say I heard a kid, I heard a coach, my coach told a kid one time, he goes, uh, he said, you're probably the most overpaid kid on our roster in college. You know, like, uh-huh. scholarship. scholarship. Yeah, scholarship. I, I get it. Kid wasn't even on scholarship. That's a try. <laughs> That's a try. <laughs> That's you see what try. I'm saying? <laughs> you can say whatever you want to say. Like, it's kids, true. like, you can talk bad to kids because yeah. – Kids have to take it. They have to. Because if they don't take it, what's what's going to happen to them? 100%. 100%. And that's exactly it. That's See, and I'm so glad that you get it, Nick, because that's exactly it, bro. Like, at that point, I'm already, like, four years out of the league. I mean, out of college. and Like, I'm paying taxes and stuff now. I actually got a job. And I'm like, bro, I don't need to be talk, being talked to, like, as if I'm a kid right now. But the cool thing, like I said, bro, like, Wally – I have mad love and respect for that dude because he's always been 100 with me. Like, he always kept it like, yo, like, this is the deal. This is what we're expecting to do. The Even when he had cut me, he had called me and told me the situation. 
based on something that I kind of already felt. Like, I already felt it. Like, before I even left, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be back. Because I was like, I can just, you know that when you just feel it, like, bro, sun's son off right now. Yeah. So, anyways, Wally told me the truth, and we we broke it down. I said, you know, thanks for the opportunity and all that sort of stuff. And um, that year, I had an opportunity to go play with um, Edmonton Eskimos and Saskatchewan wanted me to be, be honest, like, I think at that time I felt really salty, Nick, to be honest. Like, yeah. um, I could have continued playing, but I think at that time I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take control of my life. You know, my parents are entrepreneurs. I have my master's in business administration and finance and marketing. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start my damn business. And that's what I went to go work for myself. That's kind of like I just took actions in my own hands, to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, it's very unfortunate, but... You know, the sports world is very unstable. And I don't think people really, especially with football, when there's no guaranteed contracts. Yeah. Like, your life is so unstable. Since, since you made that decision, what have, you been, what have you been cooking up? What have you been working on? To be honest, is networking, man. That's the biggest thing we can do as, you know, former pros and former people of influence. Like I said, like, when we're on the football field, we have so much influence and power, and, like, we're almost like warriors. But then when we come into real life, that kind of like almost fades away. It's not, it's not faded away, but it's not as focused, you know, like when yeah. you're in the gridiron, like it's really focused, but it's like when you're off, like, Oh cool. You know, you did this and this, and you know, it's, it's a way into conversations that, you know, you could actually build off of. So uh, for me, man, like I said, bro, like since uh, the four or five years now that I've been out, I've just been building, man. I've been building slowly but surely, man. And, and I think this year, like, with everything that's gone down, it's really time for our programs and everything that we've built to kind of come and merge together. So right now we have, like, we've, we have our own football, our own travel football team. We've actually just now opened up our own, we're going to open up our own park. So we're going to have our own legit park with our own awesome. equipment. And um, we have we're like a, a little media show that shows different kids ac across the city doing sports and stuff like that on our YouTube channel. I've learned digital marketing where I could actually like um, put myself out there online and be able to do these types of things where it's like, you know, everything's digital nowadays. So like I've yeah. learned these types of skills. And for me, that's what I've been doing, just networking, building and, and creating story. Because at the end of the day, we're all in the same story. We just got to learn how they all compare and actually come together. So that's it. Yeah, man. So for me, that's, that's what I've been on, bro. And, um, and like I say, bro, I actually really appreciate you even just taking the time to holler at me because I know I keep on saying it, but I'm really honored, bro, like, for real. Because, you know what, like, I look at you, bro, and, like, you was the type of player that I always, like, like, when I was playing, I played with intensity. Like, you are the, like, the epitome of a guy who plays with intensity. You don't give a damn about the defense, which I like. You don't, yeah. like, you want to smash everybody. <laughs> like, anybody who come your way, you want to smash. So it's like... I don't know. Like for me, it's like for real. Like you, what? Like how you are as a person, and even talking to you because I think this is the most we've ever talked. We just said yeah. hi and there, you know, off the field and all this stuff. Like what's up? Like, but I, it's really cool, and I commend you, bro, because with somebody like yourself who's done so much for the game, who's who's inspired so many kids, and who's inspired so many grown ass men too, um, and who also kind of defined the role because. To be honest, Nick, I, like, your size, bro, 
I'm like, how the hell is this guy running so damn fast at that size? <laughs> I'm like, he runs fast, he's strong, he can catch. Like, you just really changed the game in a lot of different ways. So, I don't know, man. I, I really, like I said, man, I appreciate you just you giving the time. I'm honored, bro. I'm honored as, like, a little bro to be to just, like, you know, for you to just be like, what's up, man, and, like, holla at me and let me talk and, and share my story because this is something that I want to definitely extend to you and actually have you, you know, come and talk about your story. Especially with that being a walk-on in, in a Division Two, and then being, like, you, you, you're a damn CFL legend. You're a living legend at this point. I'm going to say it. You don't got to yeah, say it, but I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, man, it's just really powerful, man. I appreciate the time for you taking the time to interview me. Like, yeah. my, my career is not even as good as yours. Like, I'm looking at you like, damn, bro, you want to interview me? Like, damn, <laughs> I feel special as hell right now. Like, for real. But, but see, this goes so much for, further than, than just the sports aspect, right? We, yeah. we talk about the mentality of the man. We talk about um, life. Uh-huh. And, and that's what this, what this is, is I'm glad I got to build a platform. And there's a lot of guys that didn't have the same opportunity because they didn't have the same time. 100%. Right. For a lot of my career, I was hated by a lot of people because everybody saw, saw me as a cocky dude. Mm-hmm. I did what I needed to do to perform the way I needed to perform. You know, you talk about intensity, man, you're not just going to hit me all day mm-hmm. and I'm not going to hit you back. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just not the way it works in my world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, we talk about my story, but I, I come from, you know, let's compete. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't given anything, right? So I'm not one of them dudes coming out. And and like I said, when you take the field with uh, Jermaine Copeland from Tennessee, you know, Kenyon Rambo from Ohio State, mm-hmm. Albert Connell from Texas and then Wayne McGarity from Texas. When you take in the field with these guys, that are just like that you watched play when you was watching college football. Mm-hmm. You go play on Saturday, one o'clock, six o'clock, you watching Ohio State that night. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've seen these dudes. You watching yeah. Ram and, and everybody in the NFL and different things. Like I've seen these dudes. And my biggest thing was, oh, you gonna know me too. Sick. That was my driving force. <laughs> right? I wanted I wanted their respect more than I cared about anything else. That's cool, man. right? I, when I stepped in, I was like, "Oh, these dudes going to respect me." Yeah, right. They they not gonna respect me today, but by the but the work I'm about to put in, they yeah. gonna respect it. So there is so many times where it was just I needed the ball to fit in, mm-hmm. right? So my driving force was I'm not gonna be the weak link. 100%. They're not going to be like, oh, we got this Division Two dude over here that's, you know, if we get upgrade right there. No. I am the upgrade, right? So that's the, that, But see, that's the mentality that created the success. <laughs> yes, sir. Right? So when we look at the whole mentality thing of, of what we're doing, and even now, now I feel like I have even such a bigger obligation yeah, bro. to glorify uh, some of the guys that that have great stories yeah, and man. that have gone through a lot in their personal life outside of just the, the football life or uh-huh. whatever sport we're talking about. 
And that is even a greater responsibility that I have Sick. is to use this to, and, and we talked a little bit before about partnering. Yes. Partnering is huge, right? Yeah. And the same way that I see everyone sitting at a table to advance the world, I see doing that to advance sports and sports broadcasting and sports media and everything around sports, right? So this is this is a journey I'm on and, you know what I'm saying, I'm glad to have you be a part of it. Appreciate it, man. Right? Because, like, you got five years in this. Yeah. That you built from the ground up. Yeah. Right? So what you offer is, a, is another way to advance but also miss a couple roadblocks. Yeah, it's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where we come in this, and this is full circle. Because like I told you last time, we don't compete no more. No, man. We only support. We only support now. 100%. Right? Like I said, bro, I appreciate you, man, for real. I appreciate you. Like, this really means a lot more than you actually can understand, dog, for real. Because I actually really do look up to you. I remember watching you play on my dog. That dude is a guy, for real. That dude's a guy. So, yeah, man. Like, yeah, bro. One last thing. Your transition out of the game, you made it yourself. Transitioning to where you are today, when you transition out to where you are today, can you just speak on to help other athletes and other people in the transition? Because everybody's – a lot of people going through transition right now with jobs and different things. Can you just speak on the the belief you had in yourself and and what could help someone transition that's in a transition right now, make it a little easier, make it a little better on themselves? That's cool, man. That's cool. I think the the biggest thing when you're starting from ground zero is not to look at what you don't have. I think that's the biggest thing is, is, is comparison. When you try to look at what you don't have, you miss what you do have. And I think... You know, when I was done playing, to be honest, Nick, I went into probably like a deep ass depression, man. I went probably in depression for like six, seven, eight months, dog. I didn't want to watch football. I didn't want to even be around it. I was just like, man, I can't even do it. And it wasn't until like earlier, the, the, the once the season was done and everything like that, that I actually found the courage within myself to reinvent myself and actually figure out, damn, what is it that you're actually interested in, Keto? And at that point is when I just started actually like practicing. And then I, what I mean by practicing is just start doing things that actually matter to me. So like for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to develop, I have a training program. I want to develop a, 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 a all-star team that goes down to the state. So I kind of started developing that concept. And then at the same time, during the times where the kids were in school, I had to figure out different skills that I wanted to learn. So I started taking a whole bunch of online courses in terms of like digital marketing, all this stuff, figuring out algorithms, how they work, Google, all this SEO stuff. So I just started reinventing myself based on what I knew I wanted in my life. So it's like the biggest thing I could tell anybody by coming out of transition is do not compare yourself because at the end of the day, as a football player on the field, usually we measure up because we, that's just how we are. Like by nature, we're like, all right, that dude is this well, I'm better. And it's like, then you go match. That's how it works in football. But in real life, the match is really what you create. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to do is just create my own match, which is basically pairing myself with my resources, the people, the skills, the, yeah, the people, the skills, the resources that I have, every single thing that I have in my life going into and just creating something special that everybody can benefit and value themselves from. So 
like I say, bro, if you don't know what you're doing or don't know where you're going, I think the biggest thing you could ever do to, for anybody is just to add value. Give somebody else your experience. Go out and just talk to people and tell them exactly like we're talking. Like, get, tell mm -hmm. them your testimony. Tell them your story. You'll feel a lot better when you can actually provide value to people because too often in our sport, our value comes externally. Our yeah. value comes from we score a touchdown, people are clapping. And, you know, I was talking to my boy, Gerald Wilcox, who was um, Canadian all-star back, back in the days in the 90s, 80s. And he told me, like, you know, Keto, if you get into the habit of having people clap for you every single time you score a touchdown out here in the real world, you're going to struggle. And it doesn't work that way. Like, now the simple struggles for me or the simple touchdowns for me is, you know, waking up, my son is there. You know, even though my eyes are all groggy and stuff, I'm like, you know, trying to figure it out, making him some fruit and some bagels. That's my touchdown. You know what I'm saying? That's my touchdown. So it's like yeah. figuring out those different ways that you can still celebrate your successes and figure out that whatever ambition you do have won't come as fast as it was when you were playing, but it will come as long as you continuously to be patient uh, tap into the people that you know, tap into your skills, like actually challenge yourself and learn, like yeah. learn some new shit that you probably didn't even know before that you are interested in and create, man, create, yeah. create, man, just create, bro. That's, we're all creators, bro. We're all, all creators. And our story is exactly what's allowed us to be able to create. So now it's like, with our experience, that's what I'm saying. Pro athletes really intrigue me because exactly like you're talking about, our stories are all different, but very similar in nature. When you talk about persistence, commitment, you're talking about teamwork, you're talking about all these things. It doesn't matter the damn story. You can see all these underlying same traits. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's the same concept. Don't look at the end result. Just understand it's right in front of you right now. Recreate yourself and give value, bro. Give value. Just give it. That's it, man. I appreciate you for coming through. Yeah, hey, tell the people how to get a hold of you. If anybody in Winnipeg or around yeah, there, man. part of the football team and, and and things like that, and how they hit you on social media. Yeah, man. Just follow me at Keto Pobla on Instagram. Basically, I kind of do everything out there. Also on Twitter, you can find me at k underscore Pobla. Um, we got a really cool new thing that we have coming up with this Manitoba Supports campaign that's like gonna really bring things together and be able to tell a story. Nick, you need to be a part of this, bro. <laughs> ASAP, we need to do a Saskatchewan Supports with you out there, especially with us being so damn close. We gotta yeah. collab. I'm telling you, we gotta Let's collab. There's so Let's much opportunity. I'm gonna come check you probably this time this summer, dog, for real. Like, I, I'll be around. To be honest, dog, I, I might just come pop up on you, but like, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me know, man. I'll, I'll be around. Okay, bro. All right, man. I appreciate you, Doc. Man, I appreciate you too, man. Appreciate the time. Yeah, And man. Uh, we out. You one, did. One race, baby. <laughs> Woo!